Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This morning, we enjoyed our live Torah service from the sanctuary, and though there are some parts that we're not able to do at this time and a few edits that we did in order to keep it tight, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, part of our service, and I'm so happy for this morning's Torah service. I always enjoy also when we have young people and older people together participating in the Torah service. I appreciate the young people and their commitment to serve and the time and effort they put into preparation and also the heart that they bring to all of this. Don't you, don't you appreciate them? One of our customs is so great. After each Torah service, we take a moment uh, right after the service, and we did it this week, to thank all of our readers. So right now I want to thank Joanna and Alex and Ruth for their reading, and thanks also to Steve Mowry and Steve A. Bush for your service today. They are bringing the Torah out of the ark and undressing it, and then Steve Mowry is lifting it, and Steve A. Bush and Steve Mowry, I call them Steve Squared, they are um, dressing it back and putting it in the ark and those in the synagogue were able to see this. It's a great tradition that we have to have uh, a Torah service. And uh, I'm just so glad that this morning we were able to read from Torah and from the Haftor and B'Tachadah as well. Reading from the Torah scroll as a congregation, I think is really important to us because it helps us together to become familiar with the Hebrew text as well as the English. And we listen to the readings together and then we can allow the words to sink into our hearts. And these readings also are valuable because they give us something to think about. And that's why it's important that we pay close attention during the Torah service. It's also a good idea to read in advance so that you can really listen with attention. Many traditional synagogues read the entire Torah portion and Haftorah portion for the day in Hebrew, but you know that can be too much for many people to take in, especially uh, those that don't understand much Hebrew or any Hebrew. And our custom at Beth Israel is to select a few verses from the week's portion for the public reading in Hebrew and English, and this allows us to concentrate on some key thoughts and words. And each year we change the selection so that we are exposed to different parts. We do the same in our readings from the Haftorah. A few verses are read publicly and we focus together on them. And likewise for the readings from the Brit HaKadoshah, the New Covenant Scriptures, which we read in Hebrew and in English. The Torah service, I believe, is very important to us as a Messianic congregation. This type of public reading with the associated Hebrew prayers and blessings is unique to Jewish congregations. And it's also part of the history of Messianic Jewish congregations. Yeshua and Paul, for example, made it a priority in their personal schedules to participate in the Saturday morning synagogue service, which included bringing out the Torah scroll and reading from the scroll. So you can understand that if we want to truly be messianic, we want to follow the pattern of Yeshua's life, as well as of the apostles. Reading the Torah publicly has a long history. 
starting at Sinai with Moses reading the words of the tablets and all the words of the Torah that the Lord gave him. This week's Torah portion, Parshat Mishpatim, describes one moment, and you can turn or flip or however you do it with your Bibles these days to Exodus chapter 24. We'll look at a few verses starting in verse 4. It says this, Moses wrote down all the words of Adonai. He rose early in the morning, he built an altar at the base of Mount Sinai, and he set upright 12 large stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And, you know, those verses that I just read to you, that was our selection that was read during our tour service this morning. Thanks, Joanna, for that. Verse five, he sent the young men of the people of Israel to offer burnt offerings. This is interesting. If you, if you notice this, you've got young and old together. It's part of our pattern that goes way back. Verse six, Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. The other half of the blood he splashed against the altar. And then he took the scroll of the covenant and he read it aloud so that the people could hear and they responded, everything that Adonai has spoken, we will do and obey. Then Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant, which Adonai has made with you in accordance with all these words. Uh, you know, very different from our tour service, we're not applying blood from an ox, especially not on people, but you know, we are appropriating the blood of Yeshua at all times for ourselves. Some important details in this passage, Moses writes down everything the Lord tells him, and then he reads the scroll of the covenant out loud so people can hear. You see, the people hear, and then they respond, and that's a pattern that's a lasting pattern for us, hearing the word and then doing it. But in between, there's hearing the word and agreeing with it. We can hear the word, we can agree with it, and then do nothing about it. But real consistency, Yeshua teaches us, is to hear the word and to do it. A second interesting point from this reading is the atonement with blood is mentioned. And the, they're presented together, the blood atonement and the reading from the Torah, so we keep them together in our minds. And for more on the blood sacrifice, I encourage you to watch last night's Live From Home video. It's available online already uh, on Facebook Live on our Beth Israel um, Facebook channel, and it's also going to be available on YouTube. And you can also uh, concentrate on Rabbi Yuri's message, which was on the theme of the blood sacrifice. Well, this morning I want to review with you three other examples of the public reading of the Torah in the congregation and their application and value to us and some lessons we can take, practical lessons for ourselves. We'll start with Nehemiah and then we'll look at Luke and the book of Acts. And I have a cup of hot tea with me right now. Ah, thank you, Sandy Levine, for preparing hot tea for me. It's one of the joys that I have that I can enjoy a cup of hot tea while I'm speaking with you. So let's start in Nehemiah. As the Jews have returned from exile and they're rebuilding their community life in the land of Israel. Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 through 12. I want to encourage some of you to put that reference, that scripture reference, 
in the comment section, Nehemiah 8, verses 1 through 12. At that time, all the people gathered together in the square before the water gate in Jerusalem. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the Torah scroll of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Many English translations say to bring out the book of the law of Moses, but that doesn't capture some of the real feeling or accuracy because it wasn't a book like we might think of today. It was a scroll. The Hebrew was a sefer, a, a scroll. Bring out the sefer Torah. The book of the Torah, the Torah scroll is really the best translation. And then it says that Ezra was a scribe. He was sofer. It's from the same root word, sefer, scroll, sofer, scribe. The sofer was someone whose life work was to handwrite copies of the Torah scroll. It was an esteemed position, very exacting. You had to perform it perfectly. And the instruction and training was often passed from father to son. It was the writing of handwritten manuscripts on um, parchment, on, on skin that had been perfectly prepared. Interestingly, which we'll see as we read on, not everyone who was present could understand the Hebrew. So they were always at risk of using Hebrew, but not understanding it. And the same thing is true in modern times. It's useful for that reason to build up your, your Hebrew skills so that you can understand more and more. But not only in Messianic synagogues, but in synagogues really all over the world, uh, there are many Jewish people who have limited or no Hebrew skill. And so during the time that uh, Hebrew is being used, sometimes they're kind of lost. Verse two, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the Torah before the assembly, the kahal of men and women, interesting point, and all who could listen and understand. And so Ezra read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in front of the men and women and those who could understand. So Ezra the priest, he's, he's a Kohen, a Jewish priest, not a Catholic priest. If you have that in your mind, you know, like a picture of a Catholic priest or an Orthodox Christian priest, that's not the right picture. He was a Kohen. The assembly in Hebrew was kahal, and that connotes some, um, not just a gathering, but a gathering, gathering for spiritual and even religious purposes. But one of the most interesting things is men and women are together. They are there together. Uh, the women and the men are joined together and they are all considered worthy of receiving instruction in the Torah. I want you to grasp that because there were later developments in uh, rabbinic Judaism that had a different perspective about that. And at in early biblical Judaism, and just as it's beginning, the men and the women together are taking part in the the activity of the Torah service and really present together. And it says all the people listened attentively to the Sefer Torah, to the reading. They listened attentively. And I think that's an important detail. That's an active way of participating, listening carefully with your full attention, focus on what you're hearing. Let's skip a few lines down to verse five. It says, Ezra opened the Torah scroll in full view of all the people, since he was standing above them all. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. And then Ezra, verse 6, blessed the Lord. He made a bracha, 
the great God. And with their hands lifted up, all the people said, amen, amen. And then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they blessed the Lord. And you know, the most common form of a Hebrew blessing is Baruch Atad Anai, blessed are you, O Lord. And then it goes on, you know, uh, many of the prayers begin that way. This is a way that we proclaim the nature of God, and we declare that he is blessed. And in Hebrew, there's this um, essential idea that that we are recognizing that God is the source of blessing. So when we say, blessed are you, O Lord, it's not like we're putting a blessing on him, it's rather we are proclaiming what we know to be true about him. And then another interesting point, hands lifted up. Isn't that an interesting detail? That was part of Jewish worship. And Jewish participation in the people said, amen and amen. And then they bowed and worshiped and, and worship even in Hebrew often is expressed through the idea of bending the knee. And I think this is so interesting. It's, it's kinetic or kinesthetic worship. It's, it's worship that engages the body too. So the heart, the mind, the body are all engaged. That makes uh, us understand that, that it's not just a matter of thinking, but you can participate in physical ways as well. And there's also something I think worth observing, the reading of the word and worship go together. Let's go to verse seven. The Levites, Yeshua, Bani, Sherebia, Yamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodia, Basea, Kelita, Azaria, Yozabad, Hanan, and Pelea. I hope I didn't butcher any of their names, instructed the people in the Torah as they stood in their places. So they read from the Torah scroll of God, explaining it and giving insight so that the people could understand what was being read. Interesting, now it's called the Torah scroll of God, even though it's the Torah that Moses was given by God and that Moses wrote down. So that's an affirmation of our confidence that the scriptures that we read are scriptures that are God-breathed. And it says that they instructed the people, the Levites instructed the people in the Torah, and the, the Hebrew can be understood as explaining it to making it, it clear, but it also conveys the idea of translating into the vernacular, into the common language of the people. And it also can mean to rephrase it, to put it in other words, to make it understandable. And this became part of our Jewish community tradition to read and to teach from Torah. And the Levites, that's my tribe, gave insight so that the people could understand both the meaning and the application of what was being read. Let's go on, verse 9. Nehemiah, or Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them. So now we see that Ezra is a priest and scribe. That's an interesting combination. They instruct all the people together and they say this, this day is holy to the Lord your God. So it was a shared experience and the people felt the holiness of God and were deeply touched. I know many of you, as we were worshiping today, you were feeling a, a something 
deep inside of you, God was touching you. Your spirits were being touched. Your hearts, your minds were being touched as you were worshiping. And for others, as you were hearing the Hebrew prayers and participating with those, and as the Torah, Haftor, and Brit HaKadoshah were being read out loud, many of you were just being touched. It was an experience like we're having today. But take note of this, those leading the assembly had a shared sense about what, what was happening on that day. And so they declared it, this day is a holy day to the Lord. And it was at the time of a Jewish holiday. But then they said something, do not mourn or weep because all of the people were weeping as they heard the words of the Torah. You see, the word itself touched their hearts as did the instruction and the, the teaching, they were responding with mourning and with weeping. Very powerful moments, very emotional for them. And it just shows us that the words of the Torah have life and that they can touch our lives. But here's something interesting. What the people were hearing touched them, maybe because they hadn't heard it so clearly or in that place, but they were weeping and they were mourning. There was a kind of sadness. And sometimes when, when people are being deeply touched in a spiritual way, they experience it as sadness or as deep sorrow. Uh, because sometimes regret or remorse or um, sorrow for the way things went and that could have been different, sometimes that gets all stirred up or I miss this. Or, oh, we haven't been doing this, you know, a sense of conviction. All those things can be stirred up. It's understandable. However, take note of this. They're being told, don't mourn or don't, and don't weep because the people were, were so emotional, but they were told to constrain these particular emotions. And that's not easy to do. You know, once, once you've entered into that kind of deep sorrow, and you're expressing it, it's hard to, uh, to change gears. But verse 10 says, Nehemiah told them, go and eat what is rich and drink what is sweet and send out portions to those who have nothing prepared because today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So there's a direction, a spiritual direction that's being given to the people to celebrate, to enjoy the food that they have and, and to enjoy the day and to take food to other people. And this becomes part of our Jew, Jewish tradition that, that we like to celebrate with food. And we also like to um, send food to people who are lacking in food. That's part of our of um, our community traditions, and also to just send food as a gift to other people. Sometimes I like to send, this past year, I've been sending ice cream to my siblings and in-laws when they've had their birthdays as a way of expressing love and care and concern. Sandy and I love ice cream. And so together we're sending them ice cream. It's just a, it's just a Jewish way of, of doing things. And I know other um, ethnic groups and other people groups do it too. But here it's good to see that we're being instructed to do something like that. And also to think about people who don't have enough to eat 
and to provide food for them. And that can be done in many ways through your participation and support for food banks as we do as a community. Uh, we, we support uh, a, a number of food banks and ministries that are designed to help people who don't have enough to eat. As well, we as a community like to do um, sort of chavarah, friendship service one to another. It's an important part of who we are. The declaration is today is holy, but don't grieve. And then this emphasis, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So take heart and allow yourself to be encouraged. Let's rejoice because we have Torah, and let's ourselves do that as well. You know, the world can be chaotic around us, and sometimes we have to stir ourselves up in order to remind ourselves that God gives us joy and that his joy is our strength. Verse 11, and the Levites calmed all the people saying, be still, because today is holy, don't grieve. So it wasn't just Nehemiah the governor, it was also the Levites. The Levites calmed all the people. And you know, when I was reading that, I thought, you know, that can help you understand me better. My heart is to bring calm, peace to the people. Others may be alarmed. Some of us need to focus on a calm and a peaceful response. And I'm I'm a Levite, David Levine, my Hebrew name. David ben Beryl Halevi, David, son of Beryl, the Levite. And, and so this is part of who I am. It, it's how God created me and how he's gifted me and what he's trained me for. So other people may be in a state of panic or alarm, or they may think that the right response in times like this is just to, ah, you know, like yell and get loud. I, I know a lot, a lot of people who think by being loud, they're being serious. And there are other ways you can be serious, including with a lighthearted, joyful state of mind and condition. Verse 12. All the people began to eat and drink, to send out portions, and to rejoice greatly because, and this is very important, I really want to underline this, because they understood the words that had been made known to them. The people got it. Look at the details. Why did they do these things? Because they understood the words that had been made known to them, and they acted on it. You see, you know you understand if you put into practice the things that you understand. Action follows hearing, understanding is expressed through our actions, and this is so powerful. And there are times when, when you will get more out of a, a worship experience, a, a Shabbat service, if you listen with that same kind of attitude by being attentive and then putting into practice the things that you heard. Some people just think, oh, uh, rabbis are a bunch of pundits. They've got opinions. Everybody's got opinions. But I can tell you, our call is not to share our opinions. Our call is to share our insights and understandings about what the scriptures say so that you can take it to heart. And when you take it to heart and you really understand it, you demonstrate that understanding by your actions, by doing doing what you hear. That's the first history I wanted to review with you. And now we're going to go through some new covenant examples, starting in Luke 4, verses 16 through 30. Then Yeshua came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom. 
underlined that. And you may want to put that in the comments section, as was his custom. He entered the synagogue on Shabbat. And when he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. So very much like what we do today. Of course, different. But um, you can see a similarity to the pattern. Sometimes our readers have to find a place they need to read from. So I can say to you, don't be embarrassed. You're in good company. Yeshua found the place in the scroll. This is what he read. It was from Isaiah. We would say Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he returned it to the attendant and he sat, sat down. And I want you to notice he just read a selection, sort of like what we do. The eyes of everyone, the scripture says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying, today, the scripture is brought into fullness in your hearing. And so Yeshua is participating in the Torah service that includes reading from the Haftorah. Verse 22, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this the son of Joseph, they asked. So the first part they liked, then Yeshua says more. Surely you'll quote this saying to me, physician, heal thyself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in, in Capernaum. And then he added, truly, I tell you, no prophet is welcome and accepted in his hometown. But I tell you the truth, that there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the sky was shut for three and a half years and a great famine swept over the land. And yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and yet not one of them was healed and cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. <laughs> and they didn't like that, verse 28. On hearing this, all the people in the synagogue were enraged. And, and I read that, and I realized, you know, sometimes people don't like what we say. And I guess, you know, that goes with the territory. If it was true for Yeshua, it'll be true for us. And so for all my rabbi friends, take heart. Sometimes they'll like what you say. Sometimes they won't like what you say. Verse 29, the people got up. They drove Yeshua out of the town. Now, that doesn't mean they put him in a car, of course. It means they, they turned into a mob and they pushed him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him over the cliff. But Yeshua passed through the crowd and went on his way. And so he didn't escape at the very beginning, only at the very end. But it's a demonstration that Yeshua's destiny is not in the hands of the mob. They were treating him like he was false, but he didn't accept their evaluation or their plan. He passed through the mob, through the crowd. He went on his way. But still, I imagine his heart was pumping and his adrenaline was flowing, but he stayed the course. And so Yeshua continued in that tra tradition of attending Shabbat services, participating in the Torah service. One more example from Acts 17, verses 1 through 3. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Verse 2, this is the one I want to emphasize. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Shabbats, he reasoned with them from the synagogue. 
And so he went to synagogue on Yom Shabbat, as was his custom. His custom, like Yeshua's custom, was to be in synagogue. And of course, we're living in a time where not everybody who wants to can be in synagogue, but we can expand what we're doing through Facebook Live and your participation through our live streaming. And it, it's great that we can do that. Verse three, he explained and proved that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Yeshua I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. So Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, continues in his Jewish lifestyle and tradition of going to the Torah service, the public reading of the scriptures in synagogue. And these Jewish Thessalonians were interesting because they openly discussed what the scriptures had to say about Messiah. Now that's some historic background to our own tradition of incorporating the Torah service into our Shabbat services. And I want to encourage you to follow our schedule of readings for each weekend and to read in advance because it will not only help you get more out of the service, but it will also help you develop a deeper understanding that will be useful if you want to share with other people. The readings are often very timely, and they'll cover something that's perfectly timed for you. A cycle of readings has developed over the centuries, which we follow, and we supplement it with readings from the Brita Hadashah, the New Covenant. Those are not included in traditional rabbinic synagogues, just messianic synagogues. But often the Torah and Haftorah readings have Messiah-centered content, which we like to emphasize in our synagogue. In the future, I want to go through the blessings and the prayers that we use at the Torah service and then our Shabbat services. So this occasional series will develop, and I hope you'll find it useful. Right now, we want to close with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider standing with us financially if this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our podcast, our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast, or sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information is available on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And so I want to invite Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi Sanina, who are live in the sanctuary, to join us for Aaron's blessing. And can we bring them up on the screen? Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi Sanina, we're so grateful for you leading us in worship today. Shabbat shalom, you guys, and Rabbi Yuri. Do you want to do the Hebrew and the Russian, and I'll do English? Yeah, let's do this, Rabbi Yuri. Thank you so much. Great. So let's pray together. Let's stand together in unity. Yevrecha Dunai Vishmereha, Yaera Dunai Panavaleha Vihuneha, Isa Dunai Panavaleha, Vyase Leha Shalom. Да благослови тебя Господь и сохрани тебя, да презрит на тебя Господь светлым лицом своим и помилует тебя, да обратит Господь лицо свое на тебя и даст тебе мир. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Hey, while the Korshans are up there, let's congratulate them on being the parents of an 18-year-old. Mazel tov, Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Sabina. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi and David. From the Korshans, from Sandy and me, we want to say Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.